ever noticed when you've been in a season of, of really pursuing something intentionally? Have you ever noticed kind of what you do on the other side of that season? How many of you have ever done Whole30 before? A few of you, several of you. Um, think about Whole30 or if you've ever run a half marathon or a marathon or maybe, a, you know, one of you guys, you, you pursued a, a girl really hard and, 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 and think about these, these seasons that we find ourselves in where we really just kind of push the pedal down and we pursue something really hard. And, and think about the, the way that we are kind of coming out of those seasons so often. And so for those of you who've done Whole30, you know, 30 days of eating clean, eating healthy, what happens on day 31, right? Yeah, pizza, lots of pizza. Thanks. Was that you, Sarah? Did you say that? Um, for, for if you ever run a, a half marathon or marathon, what do, you, what do you do the next like week after? It's like you, pizza. There you go. Yeah, great. That's a great answer. We find ourselves kind of in these seasons so often, right? Where, where you, you pursue something really hard. And then it's not always this way, but, but so often we get on the other side of, of eating clean. And then it's like, I just want to eat as much pizza as I can or as much ice cream as I can. And, or, or think about if you ever run a, a race and, and you spend so much time devoting to it and then you get done and the last thing you want to do is, is running. And, and what I realize is it's not always the case. That, that sometimes we have this way of, after we pursue something really hard, we slide back into old ways. But so often things that we learn kind of in these intense seasons, they, they shape us and they change us, right? And so I think, man, for those of you who didn't hold 30 before, it's not always you just go back to eating the way that you did before, that there's something that has shifted in your mind that, that you've learned. Or, or I think about my friend Ronnie, who lives in Haiti, the guy that Justin and I got to go visit back in November. And, and he just got done rain, running a marathon in Haiti uh, to raise money for the orphanages they're a part of. And, and he gets done and I'm talking to him like a week later. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing today? He's like, I'm about to go run nine miles. And I'm like, you just ran a marathon. And, and he's like, yeah, my, my goal wasn't to just run a marathon. He's like, I want to be a runner. And, and there's a difference in life when, when we pursue things just for a season and we pursue things for real change, right? That, that so often we, when we push the pedal down, we come out of these seasons that, that often we slide back, but many times something sticks in us. And so as a church family, you know, if this is your first week with us or if you've been with us for a couple weeks, maybe you don't know this, but we've been in a pretty intense season as a church family. We've just been trying to go after God's heart. And so we spent 30 days of really just inviting everyone. Hey, would you give up something? Would you fast from, from media or from food or for something? And, and replace that time that you would normally spend pursuing God. And we invited our church to, to really just press into the Lord in prayer. And for some of you, you know, this, this last week was the first week that we've been out of it. And, and you've realized, oh man, some things really stuck. And you found yourself this week going, man, some, some places where I used to just turn to Netflix or turn to Instagram or whatever it was that, that I found myself just wanting to be in the word or wanting to pray or wanting to have a meaningful conversation. And, and for some of you, the 30 days, man, you've just found yourself where God has done something in you. And others of you, you kind of find yourself on this past week just kind of sliding back. And that's kind of been the case for me in some areas. You know, I look back on this week and I'm going, man, for the, the previous 30 days before this past week, there was some real intentionality, some real time that I just set aside with God. And this past week, I'm going, man, there were some things that, that I just missed in that area. That many times where I'll have a few moments to, to, to think. And, and this, this week, I've just found myself like pulling out my phone and going to Instagram or checking email when I'd, I'd been using that time to really press in the Lord. And, and I just realized that so often we come out of these seasons that things often stick, but sometimes we start to slide back into normal habits and in normal ways. Today, we're wrapping up our study that we've been in in the book of Nehemiah. 
And in Nehemiah chapter 13, that's exactly what we see happening in the people of Israel, God's people. They've experienced this intense, just awakening with God. Here they were, they were living back in Jerusalem. They recognized that God not only was real, but that God loved them and that God was still wanting to be their God. And they find themselves in this place where they go, man, we want to be in relationship with God. And so if you're with us last week, but the whole conversation was them kind of waking up to this reality that, hey, we need to take ownership, that this isn't a one-sided relationship, but that we have a part to play in this, in this thing with God. And so they, they come to the Lord in Nehemiah chapter 10 and they say, Lord, we will obey you. And we're going to be your people and we're going to take care of the temple. And what's so powerful is that for several years, maybe you don't exactly know the dates, but for several years, maybe even up to 12 years that, that they had kept their word. That their promises that they made to the Lord, that, that they had found themselves just being faithful to them. And then there's this thing that happens in Nehemiah chapter 13, Nehemiah, the leader, he has to go back to, to, to work essentially. In Nehemiah chapter one, remember he was a cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes living in the city of Susa and God broke his heart. And so he goes to, to Jerusalem where he spends 12 years. And then this moment comes where he has to go back. And this thing happens where the leader leaves and the people start to settle back into their old ways. Don't worry, Nana, Andrew, me, Nick, we're not leaving. That's not what this text is about today. Um, but I wanna read some of this story to just kind of give us some insight because I think this is one of the most relatable it's one of the most relatable stories and for what's going on in our lives. And so Nehemiah chapter 13, verse four, I'm gonna read quite a bit. I just invite you to listen. And my goal isn't to, to you know, this isn't a gold mine. We're not trying to get all the gold out of it today. There are just some things that I want us to see. And so we'll come back to Nehemiah again um, to, to dig and to find all the things. But I just wanted to kind of share that in the front end. So verse four, Nehemiah chapter 13, it says, before this, Eliashib the priest, he'd been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was closely associated with Tobiah and he provided Tobiah with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles and also the tithes of grain, new wine and olive oil that were prescribed for the Levites, musicians and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions for the priests. But while, I was, while all this was going on, I was not in Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah writing. For the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Sometime later, I asked his permission. I came back to Jerusalem. Here I learned about the evil thing that Eliashib had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. I was greatly displeased and I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. I gave orders to purify the rooms and then I put back into the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and incense. I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them and that all the Levites and musicians responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. So I rebuked the officials and I asked them, why is the house of God neglected? Then I called them together and I stationed them at their post. All Judah brought the tithes of grain, new wine and olive oil into the storerooms. Go down in verse 15. In those days, I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys to get together with wine, grapes, figs and all the other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore, I warned them against selling food on that day. People from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and I said to them, what is this wicked thing you're doing, desecrating the Sabbath? 
Didn't your ancestors do the same things so that our God brought all this calamity on us and on the city? Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. And go down to verse 23. Moreover, in those days, I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and I called down curses on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. I made them take an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or your daughters. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned among the many nations? There was no king like him. He was loved by his God and God made him king over all Israel. But even he was led into sin by these women, by foreign women. Must we now, must we hear now that you two are doing all these terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? So this is the word of the Lord from Nehemiah chapter 13. I know that's a lot. I want to give us, I want to just to hear this, but, but I want us to, to, to see what was going on in Nehemiah chapter 13. And a couple things. The, the first thing that was happening is that, that, that the appointed leader, this man named Eliashib, he, he just becomes lax towards the ways and the commands of God. But it wasn't just the leader, it was the leaders of Israel. So it wasn't just one person. You know, you see this in the nobles and the officials that, that they start to become lax to the commands and the ways of God. And it wasn't just the leader and it wasn't just the leaders. It was all the people that they start to become lax towards the things of God. And so back in Nehemiah chapter 10, they said all these things, hey, we're gonna honor the Sabbath, which just basically just meant, hey, on Saturday, we're not gonna work, we're gonna rest. They made these oaths. Hey, we're, we're gonna be faithful. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna marry people from other nations, not because there was anything wrong with them, but because what would happen in the Old Testament is that when they, when they would intermarry with people of other nations is that they would be led astray. The other nations, they didn't know God. They didn't worship the same God as the people of Israel. And so, so often they would be influenced and they would be led away. And so God, he, he tells these people, I want you all for myself. And so these people are, are understanding this and they make all these covenants. Hey, we're not gonna marry people from other nations and we're not gonna, we're gonna honor the Sabbath. We're not going to work. And they do all these things. And yet you see Nehemiah chapter 13, them starting to slide back into their old habits, their old ways. For those of you who are Christians, think about those moments in your life where you've just been locked in with the Lord. Maybe for a long season, maybe for several years. Have you ever had a moment where, where you realized that, that, that no one was leading you? come out of that season and you kind of realize that, that no one was pushing you, no one was holding you accountable, no one was watching you. How easy it is to start to fall back. Growing up, I was a part of this really just amazing youth ministry. We had this amazing youth pastor. And he would do this thing where several times a year, our whole youth group would get away and we would just worship for, for a weekend. It would be this time of just calling the name of the Lord and worshiping and praying. And we would just be so just touched by the Lord. He would just speak to us and, and, and mold us and make our hearts more like his. And so coming out of those you know, weekends, you're just on fire for the Lord. And you're like, I wanna just get rid of every sinful thing in my life. I'd like break my M&M CDs and just like, so like everything that, that, that I didn't, that I didn't want to do. It's like, God, I want to be all yours. And told Lord, Hey, we're going to, we're going to before school every morning, we're going to pray. We're going to just own this school. And like three days in buy a new M&M CD. <laughs> we're not praying. And y'all know this, those of you are Christians. And a question I've been wrestling with this week is, hey, when a community is awakened to the Lord, 
how do we stay awake? So we've come out of a pretty intense season of seeking God this past month. And, and I don't know all of you, but I've got to talk to several of you. Think about the, the breakthrough that you've had this past month. Think about what you've experienced, the joy and the peace. Think about times where you set aside time just to be with the Lord and, and he showed up and he spoke into to something that you were praying about or a time that he just encouraged you or gave you strength or gave you your daily bread. Think about what God did in your life this past month. Don't forget those things. And we come out of these intense seasons where, where we go, God, we will, we will, we will. We want to be your people. Last weekend, I, I went back to where I'm from in small town Kentucky, and I was driving home. And it's very flat there. There are no hills. It's just, you know, flat farmland. And, and I drive through, and I notice, you know, it, it's just been raining, it feels like, for 100 days. And finally, this weekend, it broke. But, but, I, but I noticed that, that all the rivers were overflowing, and it wasn't just the rivers. You couldn't even see where the rivers were because they were just bleeding out into all the fields. And I just kept going, man, that's kind of the season that we've been in, that, that God, because we've been seeking him, I don't know if this is your case, but for me, it's like, I've just been, man, all I've wanted is God. When you, when you taste the goodness of the Lord, when you, when you see that he's real, that he loves you, your heart just goes, man, whatever it is that God has, that's what I want. And there are these seasons where it feels like God in a good way, just like floods the fields. And he overflows us. And, and the question that I was wrestling with is, oh, I know all these waters are gonna recede. And the waters are gonna keep flowing because there's a current there. And I go, what does it look like for us as a church family when, when, when the rains quit falling from heaven? How do we keep the current flowing? Like, how do we keep walking with God? How do we stay awake to the Lord? when there aren't these intense seasons of calling on as a church family. And there are a couple of things that I saw, and I'm a little even hesitant to share these because um, honestly, they're just not, it's not feel good points. And I'm going, man, I, this is not how I want to end a series, like by talking about these, these things. But, but I think that that's just the way that the Bible works, that, that if we really want to be as people, that we have to deal with the things that are actually in front of us. And I want to say this, this isn't, this isn't true of our church. I think the way that the Bible works, like all of history, is that we see history so we can learn from history, so we cannot repeat history. But I want us to understand this, that, that what you see in this community, a community that was awakened by the Lord, and, and this is what helped them stay awake. The first thing that I think that we see is that there was a willingness to rebuke. The second thing that I think that we see in this text is that there is a, a willingness to receive rebuke. There's a willingness to rebuke and a willingness to receive rebuke. And I go, none of us get excited about that word, right? Like, that's not gonna be your word for the year, right? You're not gonna put that on a, a sticky note and put it in your mirror. Like, today, I'm gonna rebuke. Like, you're not gonna put that sticker on the back of your MacBook Pro. Like, that's not gonna be anywhere, right? But you see this in the text. Nehemiah in verses 11, 12, 17, and 25, he rebuked the people. And I think if we want to be a community that is committed to staying awake for the long haul, then we're going to have to embrace this idea that, that sometimes there's going to have to be a willingness in us to rebuke. I believe, and I could be wrong on this. I'm no expert. I'm not all-knowing. But I believe we are living in a very, very grace-saturated Christian culture. And I think it's a good thing because our God is unbelievably gracious. He's been so unbelievably gracious with me. His, his mercies are new every morning, right? Lamentations 3, 22. 
But I've also noticed that part of living in this culture is that we don't want to call people out. We don't want to call Christians out. We don't want to call each other out because we're so afraid that we're going to come across as judgmental or hypocritical. Or the reality is that we all realize, hey, I don't have my stuff together. How could I possibly call someone else out? And so what happens is we will watch people that we love slip back into sinful ways. And we're all weak and we all fall. And we have to become people that are willing to speak the hard words to each other in love. I remember several years ago, one of my good friends, he went through this just dark season of life. And I've shared this story before, but I just remember just watching him just walk away from the Lord, just harden his heart and just run and just run and just run. And I remember him calling me up and him calling me over to his house. And he said, Brandon, he said, for six months, I just did a complete nosedive and you did nothing. You said nothing. You called me to, to, to nothing. And you just let me spiral down and you did nothing about it. So here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we call each other out every time we sin, like we're the spiritual police, like we're the spiritual whistle. Like, but the reality is that there's a real enemy and he's gonna trip us up. And each of us, we're all gonna stumble. We're all gonna fall. Every single person, we're all going to do this. But as a community, we have to be committed to speaking the hard words to each other when we do. One of my friends, he's a part of our church family. I remember him coming up to me one Sunday after I got done teaching and, and I could tell he was just so reluctant to even talk to me. And he came so humbly and he said, Brandon, he said, hey, today when you were teaching, you said something in a, in a joking manner, but it was really careless and really flippant. And I think you did some damage today in what you said. And I felt terrible. Not because he said it, but because I did it. And it wasn't even on my radar. And I'm going, man, there's a, a brother in our church family that cared enough about me, that cared enough about our church family that would walk up to me and speak those words. And so often we think a rebuke is this like harsh, getting after you, just tearing into you. And, and, and Sam said this to me on Thursday. He's like, 99% of the time, that's not what we need. When we stumble, when we fall, we don't need someone just to come in and to, to rip our hair out, right? Like, Think about my friend Josh, executive pastor at our church. And he and I were talking on Thursday and he said, hey, at the beginning of the year, you stood up at Marathon and you said, hey, one of the things that, that you want to do this year is that you want to be a good husband to Courtney. And he said, are you, are you doing that? And it wasn't this moment of rebuke, but what I saw in him is that he really cared. He cared enough to not just think about himself. He cared enough to think about me, that, that these things that I was saying, he wanted to help me live into them. And so much of us continuing to keep the flame alive, to keep the water flowing, so much of us staying awake to the Lord is us just being willing to, to look at other people and go, hey, are, are they okay? And if they're not, for, for us to be the type of people that, that speak. Holy Spirit does this. This is John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit convicts. But the reality is the Holy Spirit lives in us. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's gonna work through us to help people that we love nosedive into seasons of rebellion and destruction. 
And if we wanna be a community, not just a bunch of individuals, not just a bunch of people that exist for ourselves, if we wanna be actually a community, we're gonna have to be willing to rebuke. But it's not just the willingness to rebuke, it's this beautiful thing that you also see in Nehemiah chapter 13, a willingness to receive rebuke. Have you ever been called out before when you've missed it? Remember my youth minister in high school, he sat me down and was dating this girl I shouldn't have been dating. And he just looked at me and said, hey, you don't need to be dating her. And I wouldn't listen to him. And because of it, it led to a bunch of just brokenness and pain and sin and rebellion. You ever had a moment where, where someone in love came to you and they spoke something and your just heart was so made up that, that you wanted to do that you wanted to do that you wouldn't even receive it? Have you ever been called out before when you've missed it? Courtney, my wife, on Friday night, you know, she said this to me. She's like, hey, you haven't said one nice thing to me. Like, We've been talking and, and I'd just kind of been a jerk and I was kind of doing it playfully, but she literally said, you haven't, you haven't been, you haven't said one nice thing to me. And, and you know, the, the, the punches come out, like I, not literally, like there were no punches thrown, like there's no battery in our family. Like this is a safe family, but, uh, but, but I, I'm feeling defensive. I feel attacked. And, and, and it's so easy when, 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 when you get called out for something to, to start pointing out things in them, Right. And instead of being willing to just receive the truth, like, oh yeah, I actually am kind of being a jerk right now. It's so easy to be like, no, but look at all the things that you're doing wrong. I know you guys don't understand that at all because you've never done that, but, but this might happen to you one day. And yet what you see here in Nehemiah 13 is this receptivity to rebuke. I love this. There's this laying aside of pride, this picking up of humility. And if we want to be a family that, that wants to stay awake to the Lord, we're going to have to develop some tough skin. Not just always getting our feelings hurt. And hear me on this. Not withdrawing when someone calls us out. It is so easy. And, and I don't know all your stories. And so I want to, I'm treading very delicately on this, this line. But, but when someone calls you out in love, the natural response is to want to create distance from that person, to run from that person, to hide. And if as a church family, we, 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 we can't live like that. If someone calls you out and it hurts and, and you want to run, maybe there's something there that, that, that needs to be prayed through, that needs to be talked to. Don't let your first instinct be when someone calls you out to, to throw up the, the walls and to pull out the punching gloves and to run. See, God knows we are forgetful. My goodness, God knows how weak we are. And part of the way that we keep growing to the fullness of Jesus, part of the way that he has structured this is by helping each other. And I will argue that, that, that if we really want to become family, if we really want to become close, that we have to be willing to speak these hard words. No one on earth knows me better than Courtney. She sees the good and the bad. 
And she calls me out on the bed. And there's no one that I love and appreciate and want in my life more than her. And for us to understand that if we're gonna have real relationship, if we're gonna be part of a real community, yeah, we're gonna miss it. And for us to be mature enough to say, hey, when people come to us, let's not feel attacked. Let's go, man, praise the Lord that someone actually cared enough to say something to me about it. And it's easy for us to talk about this when you're in a good place for the Lord. It's gonna be much harder like several months from now when, when it starts to fade and we find ourselves getting back into things that, that, that we didn't wanna find ourselves back into. And, and so we're gonna pray that, that the Lord just would, would go before us and that he would give us the humility in those real seasons, in those real times to be receptive to what he's trying to do. And I wanna acknowledge this because I know this is kind of heavy stuff, you know, willingness to rebuke and, and a willingness to receive rebuke. But I want us to see the, the, the blanket that's over this whole story. And this is it, the incredible mercy and the long suffering of God. And if we miss this, we miss all of it. The people had been sinning, they'd stumbled back into their old ways and yet what happened? They're still in the land. And we have to understand the mercy and the long suffering of God because it wasn't like they, they started to desecrate the Sabbath. It wasn't like they started to intermarry. They messed up one time and then God's like, boom, you're done. Lightning from heaven. That's not what happens. You see the faithfulness of God the kindness of God, the long suffering of God that he is willing to give us space to walk into repentance. And I hope this gives us confidence that when we fail, that this is who God has always been. That he's faithful and he walks with us. And I hope it gives us confidence, but I also hope it creates in us this desire not to sin. I go, why would we want to keep hurting and, and sinning against the God who is so faithful, who's been so kind to us? And it's not just uh, Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. It's the, it's the God of the New Testament. It's, it's Jesus. I, I love 1 John chapter two. Would someone turn there and read this? I, I love this passage. 1 John chapter two, verses one and two. The first person that, that gets there, please stand up and just, just read that. I want us to hear these words together. 1 John chapter two, verses one and two. Thanks on God. Someone else, someone else stand up and read that. First John chapter two, verses one and two. You're gonna do great. You can do it. One more person. First John chapter two, verses one and two. love this, for, for us to embrace this, Jesus, that yeah, we're going to stumble and yeah, we're going to fall, but it doesn't mean that, that we're falling out of the Lord's hands. We're not falling out of salvation for us to understand the goodness of the Lord that we have in Jesus. 
And for us to be a, a community that is mature enough to go, man, yeah, Lord, you, you have paved the way for me and you have forgiven me. And you surrounded me with a family that cares enough to speak hard words into my life. Yeah, I, I wanna be a part of that. And so as we come out of this season, as we come out of this intense season of, of prayer and fasting, you know, the, the goal isn't to prolong this feeling. It's not even to run in the same intensity as we have been because it's not sustainable, right? But if we do wanna stay awake to God, man, we, we, we can't just settle back into the same old habits. We want intimacy to stay. We want it to stick, which means there's gonna have to be some, some personal commitments that come from us. You know, my, my friend Ronnie in, in Haiti, the difference with him is that he didn't just wanna run a marathon. He wants to be a runner. He wants to be healthy. And, and for us to go, man, we don't, we don't just want like good seasons with God. We want our whole life to be a good season with God. We don't just want just moments of, of touchdown and intimacy. Man, we want God. We want to walk with God. We want to be God's people. And so in your seats, we printed up these bookmarks. And here's what I want to invite you to. I want you to invite you to pick these up. You put them on the floor. If you ripped yours up, grab the one in the seat in front of you. <laughs> on one side is, is personal next steps. On the, on the back side is communal next steps. And all these questions might not apply to you. But I wanna invite you for the, for the next few minutes, and maybe you don't have a pen and you can do this later, you can pull out your phone. But I want you to look over the, the personal next steps. The first and second question, you know, what did I let go of during fast forward that I don't need to pick back up or that I need to pick back up in a different way? And for some of you, it's gonna be so unbelievably obvious that, man, you set something aside and it was just a hindrance to your relationship with the Lord. And some of you, this question might not apply to you at all. You're like, man, I set aside food. I can't just set that aside for the rest of my life, right? And, and so use your you know, discernment in this question. But, 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 but if there is something there, what, something that you laid aside that you need to let go of or pick up differently. And the second question, hey, what did you, what did you begin doing during fast forward that you wanna keep doing? And I wanna invite you to, to take a few minutes and to, to think about these. And then we're gonna take a few minutes and just share those with, with a couple of people around us if you feel comfortable and just pray for each other. And then on the back, there are these communal next steps. And what we're inviting, you know, we're, we're trying to, to, as a church family, keep doing all these things to keep going after God's heart. And it's not just a personal endeavor. It's a, it's a communal endeavor. And so we're inviting every person in our church family to do, to do two things. The first thing is this. Hey, would you just commit to, to one Sunday night a month coming to the prayer gathering? And I know that's hard. I know that, especially if you've been up here on Sunday morning already, the last thing you want to do is come up here on Sunday night. But, but there's something about us continuing as a church family just to get on our knees before the Lord together. And so we just consider, hey, just once a month, would, would you be willing to commit to coming to prayer gathering? The second thing is, hey, would you just take one day a month at your discretion and just pray and fast for our church, for our city, for our country, for the world? And no one's gonna make you do this. No one's gonna twist your arm. But, but if you go, yeah, I, I wanna commit to that. Like, and I know me, if I don't commit to it, if I don't speak it to someone, if I don't write it down, I won't do it. But, but I know that those are good things for me. And so we have this uh, number three. If, if you wanna get online, we've created a place for you to go and to share those with us so that, we can, so that we can see, so we can pray with you, so we can walk with you. Go on and fill that out. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take the next few minutes and just to think, and to pray about these questions. And so I invite you to take a few minutes and do that and then gather with the people around you if you feel comfortable. 
If you don't feel comfortable, if you're not, uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, that's totally okay. Just tell people around you, hey, I'd rather do this by myself. Or if you're not, uh, if you're not a Christian, let me say this real quick. This, uh, real quick. This, this might sound like a lot. This might sound like, oh man, that's too cumbersome. That's like, but in every other aspect of life, we set goals to get where we want to be. We do this with vacation. We do this with health goals. We do this with retirement. We set things in place to get what we want. And the same is true for the Lord. And so I encourage you, if you're not a Christian, answer these and, and engage with this, these as, as much as you want. If you don't feel comfortable, don't do it. If you have questions, ask the people around you. This is a safe place to do that. If you don't feel safe asking them here, make them take you to lunch afterwards and ask them then. Uh, but let's spend a few minutes talking through these things, praying, and then I'll get back up and I'll, and I'll send us to communion. But let's do this right now. I'll take a few minutes, answer these questions, share with the people around you, and then I'll get back up and send us to communion.